For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it is Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft Podcast, presented, of course, by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years. Absolutely love broadcasting college games for CBS, NFL games for the Philadelphia Eagles and Westwood One. But I love, love, love all of the podcasts. We have a special guest on today's Ross Tucker football podcast. Heck, we have a special guest on today's college draft podcast. My buddy, Russ Landy. It's been a while since Russ was on the show. Russ joins me and Emery this week. Russ is the director of U.S. scouting for the Montreal Alouettes. You can check him out on social media at Russ Landy. Russ, I'm happy to have you on the show. Just a little bit nervous because nobody likes the CFL more than Emery. You work in the CFL. <laughs> this show's supposed to be about the NFC West draft picks, but I'm nervous that Emery is just going to start throwing out players on the Alouettes he loves at you, and then you go, yeah, I love them too. Da, da, da. How are you? I'm doing great. So what you're saying is Emery and I are just going to talk that this is the opening week in the CFL, and we're going to totally disregard <laughs> that there's any NFC West players at all. You know, it's funny, Emery. Uh, Emery was tweeting about leagues I've never even heard of over the weekend, not just tweeting about them at F-Ball Game Plan, but he was clearly watching them somehow. I guess that's one of the cool things, Emery, for scouts now and for any football fans. It's like every game is streamed somewhere. Yeah, it was a European League of Football. It's, you know, it's, it's a great league it's the, in their second year, um, 12 teams. And it's, it's pretty cool to see because it's, it's showing you the development of the homegrown European player. You can only have four non-European players on the roster, two can only be on the field at the same time. So it's truly a, a, a pro league for the Euro player, and it's it's showing you the, the progression of the league and the game of American football. I've been familiar with the German Football League before. Um, I had a teammate that played and coached in the German Football League. So this new league, I think, has some of the old NFL Europe uh, teams, Ryan Fire, Hamburg, Sea Devils, teams like that, Barcelona Dragons. And to be honest, Barcelona – has a player coach, you guys may know, Michael Sam is over there as a D-line, uh, D-lineman slash D-line coach for uh, Barcelona. But I'm a big fan of it. You know, I, I want to spend this year watching it, getting familiar with it before next year I, I truly dive in and start covering it. And my, Montreal Alouettes, quick story, my old college teammate was a star for the Alouettes, Kyrie Sabre. So definitely a fine, uh, you know, time up there in Montreal. I had uh, just – Palling around with, with Kyrus. You know yeah, what? I just the saw Kyrus last week. We were down uh, in Florida doing tryouts or two or three weeks ago, and he showed up with his soon-to-be son-in-law. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> that he was working about. Kyrus a hell of a player. He played over a decade up there. 
I knew it. See, you're starting to do it already. You're starting to do it already, Russ. So, um, you know, in all sincerity, at some point this summer, Russ, I want to have you on the show. I might have both of you guys on the Ross Tucker football podcast. But, Russ, I kind of just want to go over CFL stuff with you. You know, maybe maybe late June, early July, just as that game, you know, as they start to really get going there. And then, Emory, I might have to do a whole episode with you of just all the leagues that are out there um, cause I'm curious, Russ, um, I guess you're director of us scouting. So maybe you're the wrong person to talk to, but do you guys in the CFL scout the other leagues that Emery, wa- I mean, Emery, he knows like five other leagues. He knows like European leagues, indoor leagues. Like he knows all these leagues. Do you scout those other leagues? Oh, a hundred percent. And actually the, the, um, European league has a buddy of mine from the Browns. Yogi Jones is the head coach at one of the teams. Um, but a lot of those players come through our global program that we have in the CFL. Every team has to have two global players. You can have up to four on your roster. Um, so we have a young kid named Taku Lee. He played over in Japan as a professional. Um, we have a punter, um, Josima, and he's from down under um, in Australia, played Australian rules football. But there's a ton of guys that come through that program, whether they're Europe, Japanese, from different countries that play and have professional leagues that we look at. So yeah, even though I'm the head of US scouting, I'll look at the best players in the global draft, the best players in the Canadian draft. And a lot of those Canadian draft guys are Canadians that are playing in the US because the Canadian football league draft is only Canadian prospects. Right. Yeah, no, I've heard that before. I remember like my freshman year, I think the number one pick was a, a DN from Harvard, Tim Fleiser, who I had yeah, played against. Now a big agent. Oh, is he? That's interesting. Reps and, a lot uh, of head coaches and GMs up there. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, he was he was a beast. Uh, let's start with the Arizona Cardinals as we dive into the NFC West draft picks. And I guess I want to get both your thoughts on the trade they made to trade their first-round pick for Marquise Hollywood Brown. It's interesting, Emery, because he was getting a lot of targets. I mean, he was one of the top 10 guys in terms of targets in the NFL, but I guess he just didn't like the style of offense in Baltimore. Yeah, it put a lot of pressure on a per-catch basis, I feel like, in Baltimore where you don't throw it a ton. So when you do throw it, it has to be – you have to complete it, right? Um, and he just probably rather played in the, the offense similar to what he played in in Oklahoma um, out there in Arizona. So I feel like it's just a, a situation where he's going to get more – you know, I guess easier targets or easier opportunities to, to receive the football, although he was their pseudo number one, number two option or one B option in Baltimore. Um, but I feel like he's going not to a better team, uh, but a better, let's say, passing situation, even though he was the guy for the Ravens and Lamar definitely was trying to make sure he was getting the football to Marquise Brown, his best friend. Uh, Russ, I'm curious to get your thoughts on uh, their first couple picks, if you know these guys. Because um, I, I, I've I seen both these guys play in Trey McBride, the second-round pick, the tight end from Colorado State, and Cameron Thomas, the DN from San Diego State. A couple of uh, Mountain West guys, and I really love the way both those guys play. Well, <clears throat> first, I have seen them both, but secondly, I want to say – I think for Arizona, the value of saying, hey, the odds of a first-round pick starting over 40 games in the NFL is about 60%. Why wouldn't we trade our first-rounder for a guy that we are 100% sure is going to be a good starter? 
So to me, that's a great trade by Arizona. I mean, getting a high-end receiver like that, getting a kid like McBride. I mean, you talk about the new tight end. This is a kid that plays with that passion. He's very competitive. Now, I don't see him as ever becoming a dominant blocker, but he reminds me a little bit of Jeremy Shockey as a blocker in that he may not ever be dominant, but he's always going to give the effort. And if you give the effort, that's often enough as a tight end. And his ability to contribute both in line, going out and catching balls, and split out and in motion and used in different packages, I think this kid's got a lot of value and is going to be very effective in that offense there. Cameron Thomas is a kid, when you watch San Diego State, you don't, to me, get wild by the athletic ability. That doesn't blow you away. What you get wild by is his technique, his effort, his way he uses his hands. He keeps guys off his body. I mean, I'm sure, Ross, you're used to it as playing O-line. Is The whole key for an O-lineman is can you get a fit? Can you get your hands? Can you control them? Well, this kid knows how to use his hands to rip through, chop down, punch, jab, stab, whatever it's got to be to keep those hands off of him. So those two guys, to me, I think they'll contribute. And I also want to say they got, to me, a bargain in round seven. They got a Canadian. So I graded this kid, the Lucetta kid out of Penn State. This kid's a twitchy athlete. I really think this kid, given a year or two to progress, I think there's something there to put him on the edge, let him come off the ball, and also the drop in space. I think he's an underrated player that went significantly lower in the draft than I think many anticipated. You know, it's interesting that you say that. I, I watch every snap. Russ that Penn State plays and he kind of got caught in the shuffle at times they had some other really good players I mean they had Micah Parsons in front of them they had Brandon Smith who was a five-star recruit who ended up you know getting drafted in the fourth round by the Panthers but I was so impressed with Lucada this year they moved him up to D-end a bunch and he really rushed the passer well. He flew all over the field. I'd kind of like to see him as a 3-4 outside backer. But I do think he has position versatility in the sense that, you know, he could be an off-the-ball backer, like an off-the-ball Sam on, you know, obvious rundowns. And then you could make him a situational rusher on obvious passing downs. I really think he does have that flexibility, Emery. Yeah, and the funny part is, going back to Cam Thomas, he was my number one five tech. Big fan of what he did. And to Russ's point, I looked at him and I have having my notes, quick, active, and concise hands to be a consistent problem up front, works off blocks well, does a great job in an efficient manner. And if he's able to not get to the quarterback, the, the hands stay active at the line of scrimmage, he's going to bat some passes down. So big fan of what he does. And and going back to, the, to Lucetta, Again, you want to get more activity at the second level. They got to get better at getting to the quarterback. So I was a big fan of that selection, even though they got him in round seven. Um, and, and in round seven, Christian Matthew out of Valdosta State. When I was watching Valdosta, I'm like, wow, this guy looks like the prospect. You know how you want to see someone jump out at you right away? He looks large on, on film um, and does a great job in being active at the line of scrimmage. He's a press corner. Um, athleticism is a little bit off a little bit, but that's why he goes in round seven. But you love the length. You love the aggressiveness and how he plays the football. So I thought they did a solid job from start to finish in, in, in nabbing some of these prospects, even Ronnie Rivers. As you know, Ross, I'm a big fan of Rivers and what he was able to do at Fresno State. So he's an undrafted guy. I think him and uh, six-round pick Keontae Ingram are, are solid backs. We'll see how it shakes out and, and how – effective this run game can be uh they lost to chase Edmonds. we'll see if they can replace the chase Edmonds with one of these guys 
You know, it's funny as we move on to the LA Rams, Russ, your comment about the Cardinals trading their first round pick for a known commodity like Hollywood Brown, the Rams have been doing that the last three or four years. And now it's like, before you be like, you can't trade your first round pick. You can't do it. And now it's like the thing to do. Now, now and, and, and the Rams again this year, they have no, they had no first round pick, no second round pick. Their third round pick was Logan Bruss, the guard from Wisconsin. But they've basically taken a totally different strategy than everybody else. And it, I mean, they just won the Super Bowl, Russ. So I guess it's kind of working. Yeah, I've always wondered, and, and I'll give credit, way back when, and you guys, I know Ross, you'll remember this player, but there was a punter in the NFL for about 20 years named Sean Landetta. And we were together at the Rams, and Daddy used to sit there because kickers often have nothing to do during the day, so they wander the building and come sit with anybody that'll talk with them. And Sean used to complain all the time about why wouldn't teams, this was back when you had the, uh, the thing where you could sign a player and you give up two first-round picks to get them. He used to complain, why wouldn't you go get an all-pro that's free? He goes, you know you're getting a star. He goes, with a draft pick, it's going to take him three years before he becomes good, and you may never get him to a second contract. So I've always sort of thought that way, and I love that Les Snead and, and Coach McVay have sort of said, hey, we're willing to roll the dice. We believe in our scouting department to find value players after the first and second round, and they do a great job of that. They're one of the only teams that has a full-time scout that grades special teams. He grades every prospect on their board just on special teams. So that's part of the reason that they're able to get value guys late. They contribute. Um, I love it. To me, trade first-round picks to get productive starters early in their career. To me, it's a slam dunk, and I love what they've done. That's really interesting. I didn't know that. So they have somebody that just does special teams? Yeah, he's a, and it rotates. But all he does, he gets the list of players that have draftable or priority for agent grades, and he just grades special teams players. And I think – that's such a valuable – and I'm sure other teams have started doing it because Les started this almost 10 years ago. But it's such a valuable thing because when you get late in the draft, if you're looking at guys that can make your roster and you're debating between two players that are really cool and one has a might contribute on teams grade and one has a this kid's going to be a productive guy on three out of four teams, why wouldn't you take that guy? Because a guy – and Ross knows this from playing in the league – a backup player – who's going to develop, has to find a way to stick around for those three years to develop. Well, part of the way you stick around is you make plays on special teams. And any way you can find a way to stick on a roster gives you more time to develop. For the Rams, Emery, obviously Logan Bruss, I, I feel like the Rams take a lot of Wisconsin O-linemen. Like they love like the Big Ten O-linemen. Uh, my guess is they'll plug him in there at guard to try to fit in the spot that Austin Corbett left, or at least he'll battle with Bobby Evans. After that, in the fourth round, they took Jacoby Durant, the corner from South Carolina State, Kyron Williams, the running back from Notre Dame, Quentin Lake, a safety from UCLA, Darian Kendrick, the corner from Georgia, Daniel Hardy, the DN from Montana State, who was very productive, and then Russ Yeast, a safety from Kansas State. Russ, I guarantee that Emery's going to talk about Jacoby Durant and Kyron Williams. Nobody loves FCS players or running backs more than Emery. Well, it's, it's the, you know, first of all, the running back is the best position on the football field, number one. <laughs> and, and number two, I, I'm just a big fan of guys that just ball out. And I'm glad Russ brought up the point about special teams because that makes sense when you look at how outstanding J.J. Koski was at Cal Poly. 
dynamic player as a receiver when they ran a triple option, but also was a killer special teamer. That explains what they did last year in um, Chris Garrett, who was a stud at Concordia St. Paul and also played special teams. Hardy is going to be just that, a guy that can rush the passer, that can blitz, and was playing with his hands in the dirt this season uh, for the first time. And was when you watch Troy Anderson, you're like, man, who is this other dude that's out there balling? It was Hardy. And, yes, the Durant is someone that I've compared to. It is not a one-to-one, but I'm talking about from a size and activity and aggressiveness standpoint, he is very much like Eric Allen in how he is just going to break on the football, pick off slants, aggressive in run support. He has a dog mentality that you want out there on the position. I remember being at the Shrine game and speaking with him before the first practice. He was like, you know, I want to show people I'm not just a slot corner. I can play on the outside. So he was going out there and handling his business on the outside. And Lance McCutcheon, the, the undrafted receiver from Montana State, another outstanding pick. And for me, the Rams are just like your, your new Baltimore Ravens. They're going to find good football players. If you're going to nail the back end of the draft and the undrafted free agent market, you you better have great scouts. And, th- and from what they've been able to do, looking at some of their back end picks over the last couple of years, Yes, they've been able to do a great job. So, yeah, giving away those those picks early on makes sense. Roger Carter out of Georgia State. You look at Jamal Pettigrew, two outstanding tight ends, an inline guy. Pettigrew may be the best blocking tight end in the draft, and Carter's a good H-back coming out of Georgia State. So I love what the what the Rams were doing uh, because of how outstanding they were. And Kyra Williams fits the mold of what they got. They got a tight back running back, guys that are great off the zone. Um, inside or outside zone. Williams, to me, plays faster than whatever he ran in Indy and is going to be a, a fantastic option within this game. I, as, as much of a fan I am of Daryl Henderson, you know, he has to stay healthy. So there's a lane for Williams to come in and really steal some of those carries away. Well, and, and the point I would make, Emery, is that speaking of things that I love, how about the printed stretch swim shorts from Express right now? So I wear these... Not only at the, if you can tell, by the way, if you're watching us on YouTube, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL, I am not home right now. I am at the beach uh, with my wife's family. And thank goodness for these printed stretch swim shorts from Express. So I wear them, okay, not only to the ocean, but I wear them out. Like last night, I, we went to go get ice cream. I wear them out because they look so stylish and cool that you can wear them both to the pool, to the beach, and wear them out to go get ice cream or whatever in the downtown area. So highly recommend the printed stretch swim shorts from Express. and highly. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I recommend, Russ, you talk about some of the guys that we've seen the San Francisco 49ers take in recent drafts. You know, they've still got a Jimmy Garoppolo situation going on, which I think will change. They did have Alex Mack retire, so now they got to deal with losing Lakin Tomlinson in free agency and losing Alex Mack. Their first couple picks, Drake Jackson, 
the edge rusher from USC, and Tyreon Davis-Price, the running back from LSU that I didn't know that much about, to be honest with you, Russ, but uh, Greg Cosell was talking about him last week, and really, really, he didn't know anything about him until he started watching him. He thought, wait a minute, this guy's good. Yeah, well, firstly, I just want to say, so you're saying those shorts are something I should get for my summer in the Cape? Absolutely. Weeks and I'll be up there for two months. So oh, I that's need glorious. up there. So, by the way, though, the Rams, I got I to gotta give them credit. Firstly, that corner you mentioned, this is a kid, a scout called me and said, there's so many players in this year's draft. This is a small school kid. He might slip through. I put on one game. I said, yeah, he might slip through, but ain't going to be slipping through to the CFL. I said, I'll cross that off. And we actually had the rights to Hardy and to A.J. Akuri, who was the last pick of the Rams. But once they got drafted, it's not a lot of reason to keep their rights because they ain't coming to Canada for like four or five years. So I think I'll let those guys go sliding out the door because uh, they ain't going to come. But they would be great players in the CFL. I would I would kill to see those guys. In terms of Drake Jackson, would the, the 49ers love him? I think this is a guy that fits what they do. I like how he plays. I like his intensity. I like his athletic ability. I think there's a lot there. You mentioned whether Garoppolo is going to be there. To me, Trey Lance is going to be the ultimate sort of sort of tool for, hey, how good is Kyle at teaching? Because when you watch Trey in college, this was a guy that had every single trait except accuracy. And it's sort of that great question of can you make a quarterback with good mechanics more accurate? If he becomes more accurate, you will see a superstar. If he doesn't, two years from now, they'll be looking for another quarterback. So to me, this is going to be a great test of Kyle, who has proven time and again he's been able to coach marginal quarterbacks to be productive. Can he get Lance to become an accurate thrower? If he can, this is going to be really special because he has so many other traits, both character, intangibles, and physical, to be a star. He just has to become more accurate. The running back from LSU, agree 100%. I had a scout from down there text me during the season, said, you need to peek at this kid. He said he's probably going NFL because he's so good at so many things. But he said you need to look at him because you're going to enjoy watching him. And he wasn't kidding. He's a fun guy to watch. This guy's going to have a long career in the NFL. Some of the other picks they had, Emery, in the third round, they took Danny Gray, the wide receiver from SMU. Fourth round, Spencer Burford, the guard from Texas, San Antonio, UTSA. Then they took a couple of guys I'm very familiar with, Womack, the corner from Toledo, the big offensive tackle from Fordham in the sixth round, Kalia Davis, the D tackle from UCF, and another Penn State guy late, Tariq Castro-Fields, the corner from Penn State. Lots of physical ability. He had some awesome games, just kind of up and down. And then their last pick was Brock Purdy, the, the quarterback from Iowa State. Yeah, Burford was someone that really stood out to me. He was my number eight offensive tackle. Loved the explosiveness and the athleticism. Feel like he can gain a little bit more weight there. And he he's not shy about getting outside and being on the move. He's comfortable in that area. Consistency is where he's going to have to really hone it in. Um, they're viewing him as a guard, so but he gives you that flexibility of being able to play tackle if you need him to, um, which we know is is key on game day rosters with what forty six man rosters. But I do love the, the player and the prospect. Interested to see how he progresses. And you talk about Castro Fields and Womack. Womack, to me, I love the way he plays the ball. And he's not going to be as shy about you know breaking up a pass. He's going to get himself in position to do the same things that Castro Fields can do. And we know that was a huge you know weakness um, for San Francisco. As much as this offseason, folks have been praising Matt Stafford. Had the defensive back for San Francisco caught the football, 
The Rams don't go to the Super Bowl, and we're talking about Matt Stafford second in the league in interceptions and giving the game away in the playoffs. So they had to get better in the secondary, and they got two guys that do a great job, in my opinion, of playing the ball. Uh, Russ, before we move on to the Seahawks, curious to get your thoughts on the big tackle from Fordham. Not often a Patriot League guy gets drafted. And I would just reiterate, Emery, what you said, because I've done a couple uh, Toledo games last couple years. I think Womack definitely has the Toledo record. He might have the MAC record for most most passes defensed. He definitely has the Toledo record. He might have the MAC record. He has like 40-some times where he got his hand on the ball. So, anyway, Russ, before we get to the Seahawks, what do you have on the big boy from Fordham? Well, firstly, this is just to give you guys an idea of sort of how CFL scouting and NFL scouting sort of sometimes tie in. And NFL guys said, you need to look at the quarterback at Fordham. So I'm throwing on the film, and within five snaps, I'm like, who's the left tackle? So I look him up. He's a senior. So I text my buddy. I said, this kid's a high pick. He said, yeah, he's probably a second or a third-round guy in the NFL. A week before the NFL draft, I get a call from the same guy. He's with a team in the West Coast in the NFL. And he says, you need to jump back on that Fordham kid. He said, it turned out he failed over half his physicals. So that's why he slid to the sixth round. He had a neck injury that never caused him to miss any time, but those failed physicals caused him to slide down the board. So I got a call literally a week before saying, you, you need to be seriously prepared to go try to get this kid. He may not get an opportunity in the NFL. And this kid is a freak athlete. He can run. He can do everything you want. So that's so interesting. That's the kind of insight that, that we need because people don't realize why guys drop sometimes like that. It's a really good point, Russ. Uh, let's get to the Seahawks. Very interesting draft in my mind. Because I talked about this with Greg Cosell last week on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It almost felt to me like you take, we know John Schneider and Pete Carroll want to run the football. Charles Cross in the first round was known for his pass blocking. Then you take Kenneth Walker in the second round. And then Abraham Lucas from Washington State, another offensive tackle that was known for pass blocking. I, I don't know, a little bit of a head scratcher for me, Russ. Well, I, I almost wonder if part of this is, hey, we, we would love to run the ball, and that's our desire. But at some point, we also have to realize we just need good line because our line has been slipping dramatically. And I think Cross, to me, yeah, his strength may be pass pro, but athletically, an ability to do things both out in space as a run blocker, to, to step through the second level, and to protect the corners of pass rush. I honestly don't know if there's a better one in this draft. He may be the most upside guy of any tackle in this draft. So I could see them jumping at him. The kid from Washington State, I mean, this kid's got a lot of the traits that you look for in sort of that not a super athlete, not a dominant guy, but all he does is keep his man away from the quarterback and keep his man from making tackles. Reminds me a little bit, although it's not as big as Havenstein, is that he's not pretty in everything he does, but he finds a way to keep his man out of the play. Um, I will add, there was a kid a year ago that I saw at a small school, and I said, oh, this kid could be interesting. He might slip through. But the Derek Young kid from uh, Lenore Rhyme, uh, that, didn't, that didn't work out. He ends up getting a shot because he's just so twitchy and athletic. Even though he's at a tiny school, I mean, that athleticism he has jumps off when you watch the film. Some of their other picks, Emery, um, that took Boye Mafe with their other second-round pick, the edge rusher for Minnesota. Then in the fourth round, Kobe Bryant, the corner from Cincinnati. Fifth round, Tariq Woolen, the tall corner from UTSA. Tyreek Smith, the edge rusher from Ohio State. And then the seventh round, Tariq Young, who 
Russ just mentioned, and Bo Melton, the wide receiver from Rutgers. Yeah, Derek Young is, is you know, I, I just I tweeted it out when they drafted him that they plan on beating guys up the line of scrimmage because you got him is built just like DK Metcalf. Both guys have lived in the weight room when you watch him and how physical he could be. Some even thought Young could be moved to a an H-back with how, you know, physical he is and, and how big he is, about 230 almost. Um, but I love what they did with Kobe Bryant and also uh, Tariq Woolen. Both guys are Seattle Seahawk-type corners. Boundary guys, long guys, press corners, physical guys that can run. Woolen has the upside because he's a neophyte at the position. I was a former wide receiver, still getting – he's almost like – uh, Trayvon Diggs in, in the scope of this guy, be patient with them. Uh, we know he has the ball skills because he was a former receiver, but the technique and all the good things that you needed to, to, to have at the corner position, you got to have to work with him. Uh, he goes into a great situation. And Bryant may not be the best twitchy guy, but he can play the position. He's someone that understands how to use his length and leverage, um, knows where he is on the field. So I love that they really went out and got better are a little bit more versatile at corner. So those two guys are, are really interesting. And Tariq Smith, I, I like a little bit more than Boye Mafe. Um, Smith, to me, is someone that that has that knack of getting to the quarterback. Mafe physically looks the part, um, but the consistency, and, and you want to see the finish there for him. The Walker pick, going back to the second round, uh, you know, is not a knock on Walker, the player. It's more about the situation. You had, you know, Penny coming off of a fantastic five-game stretch, I know Carson is coming back from an injury, but you re-sign Penny, then you draft Walker. We've seen this play out before when, you know, you drafted Penny in the first round only to not give him the football and give it to Chris Carson. So is Walker going to get opportunities here? Or are you going to feed the ball to Penny? So I worry about that situation fit for Walker. If they're going to lean on both Penny and Walker, they may have a dynamic duo, probably the best in the division. but you never know what how Seattle calls offense. Absolutely love getting you on the show, Russ. Like I said, got to have you on this show, the college draft again. Certainly, I want to have a CFL tutorial with you on the Ross Tucker <laughs> Football Podcast over the next few weeks. Check out Russ. He is the Montreal Alouettes in the CFL. He's their director of U.S. scouting at Russ Landy. L-A-N-D-E. Obviously, you all already follow Emery at F-Ball Game Plan on Twitter, Football Game Plan on YouTube. We've got three more divisions to go. The NFC North, the NFC South, NFC East over the next three weeks. And then we will dive into the college football prospects for the 2023 NFL Draft, which sounds crazy. Russ, terrific work. Emery, awesome job. The keg is kicked. Oh, Emery, go. Lastly, before I forget, my other teammate played for the Alouettes on the back end of his career in Fred Stamps. CFL Hall of Fame Fred Stamps. There you go. Fred Stamps, yeah. Hey, the Alouettes had a lot of players. We had had a Hall of Fame quarterback who uh, has the most passing yards in professional football history outside of Peyton Manning. Wow. Anthony Cavillo. Anthony Cavillo. Anthony Cavillo. I, I knew you guys started the episode like this. Exactly. You're finishing it. I knew this was going to happen. All right. The keg is kicked. We're all tapped out. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.